Hello, and welcome to Lift, a parenting podcast where we ask the questions about family and faith. Parenting takes a lot of heavy lifting, both in physical, emotional, and spiritual ways. Let's face it, raising a family is hard work. Some of us are doing it as single parents. Some of us are working with a spouse, but all of us have questions every day. Are we screwing up our kids, our marriage, our relationships? It's my hope that this podcast will help you ask questions that can guide you to find a rhythm in creating a space for God in our home. In season five, we're talking about parenting with perspective. And today we're going to be discussing chapter seven, your kids' mistakes do not define who they are. I've asked um, a dear, dear friend and a colleague, Reverend Doctor, I love calling you that now, Pam White. Um, She worked here with me three years ago. Yep. And has since, um, she's now a senior pastor at an, her own church. And um, I I got to say, I've said this about many people, but I've always respected so much how she parents and also seeing just how she does life. Um, she, she, she lets her kids be who they are fully but also embracing them with love and compassion. And so I thought her voice would be one that would help many. So Pam, can you just introduce yourself a little to everybody else? Yes, definitely. It is, uh, I'm, it's an honor to be here with you. <laughs> I've listened to you and um, it's great to have the opportunity to sit in this chair and have this kind of conversation with you. So um, as you said, I'm a senior pastor at a church in Rowlett, First mm-hmm. Rowlett United Methodist Church. Uh, prior to that, though, I have lots of different hats and I've <laughs> learned to bring all of those together in um, things that I do. So uh, prior to coming into ministry, my first career was as a counselor. And um, so I'm still a licensed professional counselor, but my area of focus was uh, psychophysiology, which is the mind-body connection. And so the main area uh, that I was focused in is looking at stress and anxiety and how that impacts us. And so I've been able to kind of integrate that some into (laughs) my new calling um, as a pastor, but more importantly, incorporating both of those things into my overall vocation And uh, the best thing I get to do in life is a parent. And so hopefully that's impacted the way that I've walked through all of those roles. Yeah. Well, I've seen it personally. So thank you for being here. Yes. Okay. So today we're talking about chapter seven, your kids' mistakes do not define who they are. (laughs) So I think as we do life as parents, we see... um, This is the section that's really focusing more on our children and less on us as parents, right? Mm-hmm. So we see how they respond and how they act. Can you either tell me an example in your life or something that you've seen that how we can best respond to a mistake our child makes? Yeah. So I think this is a, a big topic and an important topic because it is so easy um, to to let our behavior start to define who we are, not just for our kids, but for all of us. Mm -hmm. And so I think as a parent, that's one of the most important things that we can do from when they're young is just uh, continue to reinforce who they are at the core and that um, discipline is separate from that. And uh, for us, 
when the kids were little. Discipline looked more like just helping them make the right choices and setting some boundaries. And consistency was really big for us when the kids were younger. Um, We always joke about the jumping on the bed (laughs) situation, but we never, I mean, we just from the beginning, we said we don't jump on the beds at home. And the one time that I would let them do that, I knew that that would be every time. Well, can we this time? Can we Uh this time? So it's just easier to set a boundary and say, this is not something we let them jump on the beds at hotels. So they got to where (laughs) they didn't like to go on trips just to go on trips. They like to go on trips to get to jump on the bed at the hotel. um, But that was a really silly example of of those boundaries. But it was hard to be consistent. But I feel like that um, just kind of helped us guide them in some ways. Mm -hmm. And so less ambiguity for some of those choices. Um, But of course, the choices get more difficult as they get older. And so I think through the teenage years, they're now young adults. My Mm -hmm. kids are uh, 22 and 25 right now. So we've entered a different um, era of parenting where um, I'm guiding from afar instead of right beside them. And so that's a whole new set of challenges. Um, But I think that I forgot even what the main question was. (laughs) But looking back to I think the most important thing about behavior and mistakes is just – addressing the behavior that's in front of you, but addressing that in a separate way from the the core of who that individual is and the love that you have for that individual. I think sometimes in addressing those, it's easy for the recipient of the discipline to uh, feel like they are now less than as a person. Mm -hmm. And so making sure that I I love you and this is why I want to help you through this. I love that. Yeah. So um, I'm thinking back to things that happened when my kids were little. Uh, hitting their sibling. So it's a mistake. It caused pain. But addressing that we don't do that because it hurts others instead of don't do that. That's a that makes you bad. Yeah. And so in my house, in that situation, we probably would have even spent a little time focusing on the underlying reason for that behavior, you know, instead of just correcting the behavior that happened. Um, what are those emotions behind that? Because there are uh-huh. different way we can talk about that and interact. So um, I think it is real easy to just always focus on correcting that behavior that's in front of us instead of spending the time to have those deeper conversations to say what uh-huh. else is behind this. As you were saying that, I was flooded back with a memory of we used to do play dates and um, consistently um, one of my children would always get angry at play dates, and it was mainly because a specific toy was out. So before friends would come over, we'd say, okay, what one toy don't you want to mm. share? And we would put that toy away, and then we'd establish that all of these other toys are available to share. Yep. It took me a while to get there, and I'm sure somebody else gave me that nugget, but it helped address the why yep. behind the anger. So then you could just essentially try to have fun with all the toys. Yep. And then it also gave the, it empowered the child in that situation yeah. to feel yeah. like they had some yeah. choices. Huh. I wonder who told me about that. That was a good, thank you for whoever told me about that. <laughs> um, okay. So how can we, when dealing with little mistakes, like we all make little mistakes throughout life, but as you said, address behavior, how can we as parents, when we're addressing little mistakes, help eliminate, not eliminate, well, I'll use the word eliminate the bigger mistakes help um, a process. Maybe they help us get ready for how we're going to handle yes, the bigger that's mistakes. Better. Is yes. That, yes. Yeah. So one of the things that um, I saw when I read your 
this particular chapter, you talked about uh, giving space for some of those smaller mistakes because mm-hmm. it is kind of a skill that we need to develop. <laughs> I know that we would all love to go through life perfectly without uh, misstepping <laughs> anywhere, but I uh, hadn't found any magic potion for, for doing that. And so I think one of the best things that we could learn is how to own some of those mistakes, mm-hmm. to not let them define who they are, to not have the, the shame associated with them. I think yeah. that's a big piece of it. Um, and to realize that part of being human is making those mistakes and doing our best to turn and walk in a different direction, whether we're talking about parenting or whether we're talking about the deeper Christian journey, right? That's right. our journey through life. And so um, I, I think it is important that there are places that uh, kids do have to wrestle and struggle with some of those decisions on their own. Um, and like I said, with having young adult kids right now, I'm realizing uh, the importance of, of having done that. We did that a lot. But of right. course, I can look back and say, I wish we'd done that even more right. so that they were equipped for this stage of life and moving forward. But um, one of the things, the places where we made a choice to let that live out was way back when my daughter was a kindergartner. She got really upset one night and decided she was going to run away like oh, kids yes, do, you yes. know. And so in that uh time we had the decision of whether to say, oh, no, don't do that, or just kind of let her work through that herself. So we had the conversation about how sad we would be. We wouldn't want her to not be at the house, but, you know, to try to talk to us and know this was the thing she needed to do. So in her telling of it, I don't remember this piece, but she says we helped her pack her bag and think (laughs) through what she would need. We got some breakfast bars out of the uh, pantry for her and put a knapsack together. I do remember standing at the door opening it for her and her walking out the sidewalk. I just wanted to see how far she was going to get before Uh she made this decision. And she turned and got down her sidewalk and got to the alley entrance that was right there and turned around and ran back because she knew that the rule was she could not cross the street without (laughs) holding mom's hand. And so she was not able to to go any further because she couldn't (laughs) do this on her own. And then, of course, we had a conversation and it was okay. But it was one of those difficult times to just kind of let her work through what are the consequences of this? And if I make this decision, what all is Mm -hmm. that going to involve? And um, in little ways and big ways throughout the years, we tried to yeah. continue to do that. Yeah. I love that story of there wasn't, there wasn't, didn't feel like there was anger in the moment. It was, or shame or fear, even though those things might have been present. It was allowing your kid to work through their own boundaries and their own limits. Yeah. Yeah. The emotions, the consequences, all of that stuff. Yeah. 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 No, I love that. So I've had a couple times in my life, again, (laughs) I'm still in it. I have a sophomore in high school and a senior in high school. We're not, and I know parenting never ends, but we're not empty nesters quite yet. But I remember one time the principal called um, about one of my kids and they ended in ISS. They landed in ISS. And it felt so big at the time. It was actually a really small mistake that was, um, in my opinion, misinterpreted, but, you know, but it felt huge, mm-hmm. huge. How do we as parents help, you know, calm ourselves down to hear the principal, to be able to hear the principal, to be able to deal with the situation and help our children move forward. What are some skills you think we could use in yeah. those situations? Well, I'd be one of those places, too. I wish we had a, a magic potion to walk through <laughs> that perfectly. And unfortunately, that doesn't exist. But I think one important thing um, that I've learned both as a parent and then in the professional 
things that I've been involved in through counseling and pastoring is um, to try to separate out as much as we can all the different layers that are involved in that situation, because we have our own emotions that mm-hmm. come up with that. We have our own emotions about what our child has done. We have our own emotions about the parenting that we um, have put in place prior to that that led to this and, you know, lots of different things. So I think it's a, a, a chance to, in that moment, what's mine to take on and what's my child's to deal with. Mm. And I think that can get really mixed up sometimes. And so I it would be my hope that we would be able to pull back our own parenting stuff and find mm-hmm. a place with somebody else to process that and to work through that and then to figure out how do I need to be there for my child in this moment? What does it mean to parent in this moment to not bring that big old backpack full of all the other <laughs> stuff yeah. from the previous years into that? Um, and then um, to I think this phrase of a non-anxious presence is important. Mm-hmm. I think sometimes with our um, anxiety, our anger, our emotions, our disappointment, all of that, we can ramp up emotions in a way that uh, kind of exacerbates the situation and makes it even worse. So as much as we can, I think focusing on just the events that are in front of us and then together with the child figuring out what we need to do to walk through it. Um, if that means making space for there to be a conversation, if that means making space for that child to go deal with what they need to on their own and come back. But I think... Um, you you know me from the years we've worked together and from the years you've known me and communication is huge. And so right. I think at some point, full communication needs to happen. But sometimes that's making space to not communicate for a bit mm-hmm. and giving give it some time. everybody a chance to get in the place where they can communicate. But. I love the what's mine to deal with. I think as I'm replaying that situation in my mind, <laughs> I would have done a lot better in it if I could peel back What's mine to deal with? What's the schools to deal with? Yep. You know, if there were other families involved, what's theirs? Because sometimes their right. anxiety and the way they deal with it gets put on us. Every family is going to walk through a situation like that differently. And each child, you know, I've got two children. Some families have more. And you're going to have to walk through situations like that with each child differently right. based on who oh, they yeah. are and their own things that they struggle with. Oh, yeah. 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 I think um, I, I kind of giggled in my head when you said that, because that that's kind of a thing that we say in our family is I've I've already been in first grade. It's your turn, you know, <laughs> or I've yep. I, I say it a lot, though. I don't know how well I um, follow through yep. with that, you know. And so I love that lens. I'm going to constant. I'm going to put that on my mirror. What's mine to deal with? Okay, so you actually wrote the perspective piece in this chapter. And I just, again, I love the lens that you have for both as a parent, a pastor, a counselor. Um, You talked about identity versus behavior. Mm -hmm. Can I just, for me, if I die and the only thing on my gravestone is she taught me I was a child of God, I've done what I want to do in life. Yep. It's easy to say that, right? Um, We all have identities, much greater that we've put on ourselves, not much greater, feels much greater than the identity of Christ. Can you um, talk to me and the readers and listeners? Hold on. Can you talk to me and the listeners a little bit about identity versus behavior? Yeah. Well, um, to me, 
the reason that I kind of juxtapose those two is because it's easy for us to start to define our identity by our behavior. Mm. And you talked about the other things we put on that seem much greater than that. And I think we um, probably because we don't realize the the gravity and the importance of that core identity as child of God, it's easy for us to think, well, I need my own stuff to be on top of that. What I've accomplished um who I, what I aspire to be, but mm-hmm. I want the world to think I'm already there. You know, all that <laughs> stuff goes on top of that. And I think that gets mixed up with our behavior. And so when we're trying so hard to, to be a certain thing and we don't walk through that perfectly and we our behavior causes these mistakes, these difficulties, these wrong choices, all these things, it starts to cut away at that. Uh, what we think our core identity is. We Mm -hmm. say, well, I'm failing. I'm not who I think I should be and all. And so to me, a lifelong task for all of us is to figure out a way to be re-anchored over and over in that core identity as a beloved child of God. Mm -hmm. Um, And that that's the one thing that's not changing, you know, regardless of how many mistakes we make. Um, those uh, arms of Christ are open to receive us and forgive us and uh, remind us of who we are. And so I, I didn't say it that way perfectly with my kids growing up. We didn't have those that kind of conversation through that lens. But I hope that I shared that message through the way that I parented. Um, I didn't have that theological language at the time because when my kids were younger, I hadn't been to seminary yet, you know, (laughs) uh, to use all those fancy words. But um, that was my goal in parenting was to make sure that that's what they heard. And that, as I said, with them being young adults, that's something that's even more important to me now. And there's something a little bit freeing about that because the other through the other lens, if it's something we're creating, then our behavior is the thing that defines that. Mm-hmm. And if we're grounded in that identity as just a beloved child of God, that is. And it's just us opening ourselves up to continue to be transformed by God's love to live into that more fully. Um, so instead of it being an effort and a trying on our part, it's a release and us mm-hmm. just finding a place to kind of let that blossom both in us and through us. Yeah. So um, right now I'm, I love that. And I, I love the anchoring of who we are. I'll tell you, I'm dealing with right now the season of life. It's tryout time mm. in a lot of worlds. Like my kids are on football. So essentially football, if you sign up for football, you're in football. So we don't have to deal with the, the trying out mm-hmm. period. But several of uh, my kids' dear friends have. And uh, I know one of them has been cut from a team that they felt like they'd be a part of. Yep. Well, and during that tryout season, that's part of what defines your identity in that stage of life, exactly. isn't it? And there's so much pressure on that. I can definitely remember through sports, through dance, through drill team, yeah. through all of those. It's a hard time. It's a hard season. Yep. And so although I fully believe what you're saying, and I I want to parent that way, sometimes how do we do that well when they're when they don't make the team, when they're not an officer, when because I think looking at your child and saying, it's okay, you're a beloved child of God. <laughs> doesn't <laughs> Don't really go real far in that no, moment when no. they just got cut, is it? Yeah. So how do we how do we do that well? Yeah. So in a way, it kind of goes back to my first answer of taking what on what's ours and mm. not what isn't ours. And I feel like 
If I look back at those times for me as a parent, for other parents, we buy into that pressure, too, of uh, they want this so bad. Let me support them so that they Mm -hmm. can make this team, so that they can be captain of the drill team, all of these different things. And so we're kind of right there in the emotional trenches with them when it doesn't happen. And I think we do need to be beside them in that. But also, I think creating a space in your family life for there to be other things where all of the focus of life isn't on this one big event, this one big tryout, but we have a a counterbalance in this other way, whether it's just pizza night on Fridays with the family or something else that this doesn't change. All the rest of this stuff, you're still who you are. You're still beloved. You're still involved in the church and the youth program and whatever other things are going on in life. But because those tryout things um, are so all-encompassing, it's easy to put everything else on hold and put all the eggs in one basket. And I think that's when it can feel more devastating. Yeah. No, that's good. I'll tell you, I mean, honestly, right now, my my life is a balance of church and football. (laughs) I mean, just our family in general. Those are our two big things. But because of that, there is a balance. Yep. You know, and I'm I'm thankful for that. I mean, our oldest has been injured before and watching him on the sidelines was somewhat painful for me, which I was surprised by that emotion. Um, But having that balance of something else helped him learn how to be a team member on crutches on the yep. sideline, you know? I don't know how this translates to, to boys with sports, but I know my daughter was involved in drill team. Mm-hmm. It took up a lot of the hours of our high school days, getting mm-hmm. up early, working yep. late, yep. all of that. Went into college and never put on dance shoes again, you know? Yeah. so. A lot of it was looking back and saying, what did you learn through that? The skills that she learned as a leader, the skills that she learned for being a part of a team, that is something that carried on. Mm -hmm. So I think looking back, if I was to give advice of how to walk through that time, it would be more of digging down to the why. The why are we doing this? It's not just to make the team, but what else are you learning through that so that Uh, then those lessons can carry on in a different way? Because um, at least for the football, probably not going to be a pro football player. <laughs> Definitely this is a season. Not. So why is this season so important? Always kind of looking at that why. I love that. I think it's helpful too. Well, and I made a mistake and didn't start with scripture. And I feel like this is a good time to throw it Maybe in. Maybe end with yeah. scripture. <laughs> well, I just, it's, it's, Philippians is one of my favorite books. I just, um, it helps me. It it grounds me. And that's this. um, I chose Philippians 4, 6 through 7 for this chapter. And it says, do not worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank God for all that God has done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. God's peace will guard your heart and mind as you live in Christ Jesus. You know, when I first read that, I kind of think like back to the you're a beloved child of God, like in that moment saying, don't worry about parenting. Well, of course, you're going to worry when you're a parent. Right. But the the fullness of the scripture is leaning into that peace that can exceed understanding that's beyond us, that's bigger than us, that can love us fully. Mm-hmm. What is this, I'm kind of throwing this at you. What does the scripture say to you about parenting? Well, when you read that, one thing that I heard 
when I hear people use that passage, a lot of times I just hear it through the lens of ask God for what you need. Mm-hmm. And we get really focused on that part. But what I heard when you read that is what came before it and after it. And it, it's to me, it's saying um, release some of that load. We talked about mm-hmm. how heavy it is. Yes, ask God for what you need, but then trust that you're going to be carried through this time of mm-hmm. parenting in an important way. Um we're never alone, even if you're a single parent and feel like you're doing this on your own. Not only does God empower us with others around us to support us, but God is right there beside yeah. us and before us paving the way. And I think that's part of that anchor. It's really easy to just get it. Parenting is so all encompassing. It's easy for us to get sucked into that, too. And so besides giving our kids an anchor in mm-hmm. that beloved child, we need to anchor ourselves and remember and we're a beloved child of God. And that's where that peace can come from, that we do get those little breaks when when mm-hmm. um, our mistakes don't define us either as right. parents. And so, Thank God. <laughs> <laughs> no kidding. <laughs> so I end each podcast with this question. If you could tell one thing to a parent or child, if it's what would you want them to hear about this? Well, you kind of already said it, I think, with the the uh, title of this chapter that your mistakes don't define who you are. And so I think I would just say, uh, remember that all through life, not just as as kids and as teenagers, but to my kids as young adults. Mm-hmm. Um, it's so easy to uh set a high expectation. One of my, my kids are both different. And one of my kids has such an internal, um, critic. I Mm -hmm. never had to correct or discipline. It was more (laughs) making sure that she got that voice out of the way and could find the voice of love. And so I think it's just making sure that you surround yourself with people that bring that out Mm -hmm. in you and for you, um, whatever it takes to just be anchored in that, uh, truth that we are, um, more than what we do. And ultimately at our core, we are on a journey to just uh, release that love of God in us and let it flow through us. I love that. Well, thank you so much for being here. Kim, thanks for having me. Um, Each chapter closes with a prayer. And actually, um, this prayer is written by um, Reverend Dr. Lael Millville, who was on the podcast last week. So will you pray with me? God, Is my child's worst day connected to my lack of faith? God, help me believe what you believe about my child. Their worst days do not define who they are. My child is defined by love that endures, forgiveness, loves at all times, and does not keep a record of wrongs. I know that that is how you love me. My gift to my child in the worst of times is to intentionally pass God's love through me to them. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. As always, if something in this podcast tugged your heart, your mind, your soul, please don't hesitate to reach out here at St. Andrew. We want to do life with you. So um, give me a call, send me an email, or turn on the bat light. We'll talk to you next week. Bye.